Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. Joined here tonight by Paul Pickin. We are just about complete with free agency here. Uh, some people have different opinions on it. Some like it, some don't. We're going to dive all into that tonight. Call in number 714-333-3302. Follow us at On the Fin Side on Twitter and on Facebook. Paul, how you doing tonight? Uh, I was doing great until about 20 minutes ago. Now I'm extra confused, which I know we'll get into here shortly. But, uh, yes. yeah, a little, little shell-shocked, I think, after the, the news from 20 minutes ago here that we're going to get into. Well, well, Paul's worst nightmare has come true. The Dolphins Not have worst, re-signed. But... <laughs> don't, don't ruin it now. Uh <laughs> The Dolphins have re-signed quarterback Matt Moore two years, three and a half million dollars. Paul, I don't know. I think now we should go out and re-sign Greg Jennings because he used to be good and descended below mediocre as well. So I, I really think um, that would be a good move to go along with this, as well as hell. Why don't we sign Dan Marino to come in and, and be a backup with Matt Moore? Um, give him a little less responsibility in the front office, let him throw a football around once in a while. Uh, no, nah, but honestly, to me it says either A, they have the utmost faith in Ryan Tannehill um, because they respect his durability enough to think he's not going to go down and he's the answer to win with. Um, B, they don't see any options better than Matt Moore at a decent price that they'll be able to get, including in the draft or see, for some reason, they see something we don't in terms of the degradation of Matt Moore's average, to begin with, skill set. Um, I, I'm a little shocked by this. There, there's so many options that they could have gone with that had higher upside. Well, I feel a little better that they re-signed him for the initial reports coming out are two years, three and a half million. I believe the last contract he signed was two years, seven million, or two years, eight million. So at least this is basically a pay cut for Matt Moore. Uh, still, I agree with you there, Paul. That there are so many quarterbacks out there, but the backup quarterback market is absolutely flooded. I mean, heck, if you don't sign Matt Moore and then you get to training camp and Logan Thomas and you know maybe somebody you draft or bring in as an undrafted free agent or Zach Dyser doesn't work it out, you still probably look around and you see a Bruce Gradkowski out there or, or somebody similar to that. So, uh, again, my guess is how this is structured is Matt Moore makes $2 million this year, a million and a half next year. That's just a guess on my part, but... Man, I mean, it, it it really doesn't make sense to me. It's bleeding, it's bleeding dollars. But we're not going to spend the show talking about that because we have other bad news to get to. C.J. Anderson, <laughs> who is expected to replace Lamar Miller at running back, signed an offer sheet uh, with the Dolphins on this past Thursday, and at the last minute, Denver Broncos matched that offer sheet for C.J. Uh, Paul, thoughts? I'm a little bummed out by this. Uh, I think it does affect what Miami's going to do in the draft coming up now. Um, because I, I, while I love Jay Ajayi, um, while I think Damian Williams does have a role, um, Ajayi has shown some fragility at times. Uh, there are questions about his knee uh, that, that they had going into the draft last year, which is why Ajayi slid so far. And then there's a lot of question marks around those two. So they really need somebody to compliment Jay Ajayi or for Jay Ajayi to compliment. And 
the cupboard's bare. Uh, at this point, it's looking even more foolish that they didn't go out and re-sign Lamar Miller. The way the Dolphins have handled the running back position has been a complete and utter disaster. It is a disgrace on every level the way that they handled this this situation. Starting a year ago, not re-signing Lamar Miller. That that's that's just for starters. Where the the guy's coming off an 1100 yard year, 23 years old. That is the time to re-sign Lamar Miller. Didn't do it. Then they come back and bring Lamar Miller back to the to the negotiating table one last time just to spit directly in his face by saying, we're going to give you $5 million a year, or four and a half, but we're not going to give you six. That That's nonsense. We're going to turn around and give the remaining million and a half to Matt Moore. Uh, if that makes sense to anybody, please call call into the show and, and set me straight. Um, doesn't make sense whatsoever. And C.J. Anderson would have been a, a very good alternative to Lamar Miller. After we lost Miller, after I got over that, they didn't price that, that offer sheet high enough to outbid the Denver Broncos for it. But if they had, they would have had a 25-year-old running back who over the last uh, 12 games of the season are, uh, as a Denver Bronco including the playoffs, average five and a half yards a carry. Would have been a great alternative. I like Jay Ajayi. I think he's a good prospect. But this is also a, f- a former fifth-round pick who averaged 3.8 yards a carry last year. And when he got that opportunity uh, to get more of the workload, he really didn't come through. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see with Jay Ajayi, but what a darn shame at, at the running back position. Uh, defensive ends. Chris Clemens, Andre Branch, and Jason Jones have been brought in um, for a look-see here this past week. The Dolphins lost Derek Shelby, another inexplicable move in free agency, how you don't bring that guy back. Um, Because now you have Cameron Wake and Mario Williams at 34 and 31 at the DN spots. Paul, Clemens, Andre Branch, Jason Jones, do do any of these three interest you? Um, Only at the right price, to be honest with you. It's they're they're going to be a role player, which they have to accept. Uh, Mario Williams is probably going to be out there pretty close to every down. And then Cam Wake's going to be in there on passing downs. Um, so they'll probably be seeing situation situational work, um, maybe in front of Wake. But we've also got Terrence Fiday, who's been an ascending player, and Demontre Moore. So I only think if they're willing to take the right price to be that situational player. And I'm not sure that those are the guys that are in the right bracket for that. Yeah. Andre branch definitely interests me because uh, with the Jaguars, former second round pick, I, I don't think they used him the right way. Um, used him more as a pass rusher. And I always thought he was that big base defensive end, six four, two hundred and eighty pounds. If he's the replacement for Derek Shelby, I still think the Dolphins have taken a huge step back at that spot. Derek Shelby was ranked, you know, a top fifteen defensive end here uh, by Pro Football Focus, and what we saw in the field, especially on first down, reflected that. Because keep in mind, before Cameron Wake went down with the injury, there was a there was a period after Joe Philbin was fired and Kevin Coyle was fired. Um, Lou Anarumo uh, and, and uh, Dan Campbell, when they came in, immediately one of the first things they did on defense is they put Derek Shelby on on early downs to keep Cam Wake fresh. So Cam Wake was only playing 30 to 35 snaps. The result of that, that Shelby and Wake combo, is Shelby did uh, outstanding as a first and second down defender. Wake came in, played 30 snaps a game, had seven sacks in two and a half games. Um, I have no idea whatsoever, no idea how 
you don't bring back Derek Shelby at what four years, twenty one million. I mean, heck, if you re-sign Derek Shelby, you get a couple of years down the road, and even if he's a good second or third end, uh, that's still worth the, the $5 million price tag that you signed up for because the money's going to keep inflating with the salary cap. doesn't make sense again. Uh, now, Paul, Kat, when, when, when we talk about Derek Shelby, I can't help but go back to something you just said about Lamar Miller, um, where it was a travesty they didn't re-sign him or work out a contract extension last offseason. I know last offseason we were, we did talk a bit about Derek Shelby as a guy that you want to lock up now because he's shown that he's an ascending talent that, that's really gotten better. And he really showed that he got a lot better this past season, um, especially when he was utilized correctly. And now we're in that situation where there's no way they could have locked him up. Uh, so unfortunately, and, they're, they're not making the right moves and they're feeling the pain from it. Uh, but I think it's one of your phrases, uh, kicking the can down the road, um, the way that they've been one-offing some of these deals or not making these deals. And they need to get these guys locked up at the right time um, when they're the only ones that have the chance to do so, not continue to do all this garbage that they're doing where they're kind of just like, ah, we'll deal with that later. Oh, wait, where'd he go? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm waiting for that show. Well, let's let's look at the four free agents the Dolphins lost. Olivier Vernon, Derek Shelby, Lamar Miller, and Richard Matthews. Richard Matthews, I understand. He's in the last year of his contract. There was there were constant reports coming out of Miami that he was that he was late, he was tardy, didn't work hard enough, always in the doghouse. This past year, he backs it up out there. And hey, he he goes to Tennessee. He's, you know, they offer him the the number 1 or number 2 receiving job opposite Doriel Green Beckham. I understand that. That's not not something we can control. I didn't want to re-sign Richard Matthews, you know, not last year, not this year. Um Olivier Vernon becomes the highest paid defensive end in the history of the sport this past week. Obviously, I don't want to about outbid the Giants for that, but we go back a year ago. Uh I we had David Cantor on here, and he said that the Dolphins hadn't even talked about a contract. C.K. Parrott said last week that he was um, that Olivier Vernon was offered that they sniffed around and heard it was ten million a year, and said no, thank you. Um, but if my theory is if the Dolphins were at seven million a year and David Cantor and, and O.V. were at ten, eventually something would have come together. But then you wait till after the year, forget about it. But Derek Shelby and Lamar Miller are the ones that really get under my skin. Because you're right, Paul, they should have re-signed Shelby last year. They knew what they had in him. His talent didn't change. Same thing for Lamar Miller. Then they get to this offseason here, and Lamar Miller wants $6 million a year, and they say, no, we're going to set the cap at 5 Brought him back to just spit in his face one last time. And now here the Dolphins are, and they don't have a running back. Uh, and then at the DN position, you just created – two major holes on your team at running back and defensive end. Cameron Wake, if anybody thinks this guy is going to play 50 to 60 snaps this year, you're out of your mind. Um, Shelby, they had the perfect platoon over there if Cameron Wake returned to health. I I agree with you. And actually speaking of big gaping holes at defensive end, um, one move that happened today uh, that we probably should just touch on briefly, even though it's not with the Dolphins, Chandler Jones, who I know has been an absolute terror uh, when the Dolphins play against the Pats twice a year, won't be there next year. Um, He actually got traded today to the Cardinals uh, for an offensive guard. Um, Any thoughts on that move, Captain? 
Yeah, it, it, my understanding is it's a guard and a second round pick. Uh, yes. The second round, I was still shocked at that. And what that probably tells us is that the Patriots don't think a whole heck of a lot of Chandler Jones off the field. Uh, you know, he had the synthetic marijuana incident, you know, right around playoff time this past year. Um, and they traded him for a second round pick and former seventh over overall pick, Jonathan Cooper, the guard who, who, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, even though they did get a second rounder out of it, but uh, it seems like these moves for the Patriots are always criticized at first, and then they come back and look like geniuses for them. So we'll have to wait and see as far as, as Chandler Jones is concerned. And, and he, he'll probably, as as it looks like, will move to outside linebacker, 3-4 outside linebacker with the Arizona Cardinals. They'll get a pass rush from somewhere, I'm sure. Belichick and Brady aren't done killing the Dolphins yet, but uh, let, let, let's hope for the best. Uh, at at the DN spot, yeah, I, I, Andre Branch is a guy I think would be would be a nice addition, um, a little higher upside than Chris Clemens and Jason Jones. Chris Clemens is 34, and is a pass rush specialist. That wouldn't make any sense to me. And Jason Jones is basically a, a defensive tackle who who's playing defensive end. Would give the Dolphins some help on early rundowns, um, but overall, you're. you're you're just signing a, a veteran for one or two years to, to play a role. Would rather have a little bit of upside at that spot. Um, so, Paul, overall, taking a look at what the Dolphins have done this offseason, what do you well, – let's, let's start – maybe we should have started the show like this. What do you like about what they've done so far? Um, I really like the, uh, the move signing – and I can't pronounce his last name. I, I still can't get it right. But Kidas uh, to play safety. I, I think I had the same reaction most Dolphin fans and even a lot of football fans had, where we all just collectively went, who? Uh, but looking at it, PFF had him as their top-rated, um, under-the-radar free agent um, for the offseason. Uh, he definitely looks like he's got his ascending talent ridiculously fast out there. Uh, definitely a big fan of that. I'm a fan of the Mario Williams move. I'm a little mystified at some of the moves that we've talked about thus far, and I know you. Hold on, hey, we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute, Paul. Uh, as far as as what we uh, what we what we really didn't like, staying with the positive. Oh, okay. uh, what, one, I'm, one more I'm with you on, on real quick. Um, yeah, the, the, the I like positive that won't they're not overpaying for talent, even when it can be an issue to some of us at times. Um, they're not going out and spending more than JJ Watt money on another day burning. Um, so I do see that as a positive because they're keeping themselves on a cap hell moving forward. I agree with that completely, that affected fully Mike Tannenbaum to come into this offseason, and if he had a dollar in his pocket, he was going to spend it because uh, he's got, heck, I, I've got two, three years tops to, to give Steve Ross a winner before he turns 80 or I'm going to be out the door. I am – somewhat impressed at the restraint he showed in certain situations. Like when Pac-Man Jones turned out that he was going to get, you know, he got $8 million a year from the Bengals. I'm glad he didn't go above and beyond that. Um, and uh, another thing as well is you can argue that the Dolphins got four new starters on this, their defense and up and even upgraded those spots with Mario Williams, Kiko Alonso, uh, IAQ, we'll just call him on the show. It's, it's Isa Abdul, Abdul Kudis. Uh, and cornerback Byron Maxwell. You can make a, a point that they got four starters there, reasonably priced, 
uh, and they're, it's not going to mess with the compensatory formula. So the Dolphins may be looking at getting, uh, from what I've heard, third, fifth, and sixth round compensatory picks next year, which I haven't really seen from the Dolphins in recent years. But that's where it ends for me. Uh, everything else to me has been an absolute train wreck. The the handling of the for, the first domino that fell really was last year when Joe Philbin was retained, and I say that because it's hard to re-sign four young free agents when you, they don't know who the heck's going to be their head coach the following year. And same thing from the following end with the uncertainty. Um, I really feel that the Dolphins blew their opportunity to fix the offensive line once and for all. This was a very deep guard class. And, yes, I know Brandon Brooks got $8 million a year. Jeff Allen got $6 million. And people say to me, so you'd rather have Brandon Brooks than Mario Williams? And I say, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, protecting him is the most important thing in this franchise right now. You play to beat your division. And the Dolphins are now – going to take Jermon Bushrod, Billy Turner, Jameel Douglas, and Dallas Thomas into camp as their first four guards unless they draft somebody in the first couple of rounds. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and then you look you look elsewhere on the team, the whole running back situation was, was a disgrace. Not re-signing Lamar Miller was stupid enough. Then you, you whiff on C.J. Anderson, then you turn around and there are no running backs left. So now you're stuck with, with two guys who you've made it clear you didn't believe in uh, at the beginning of free agency. Uh, and at the other cornerback spot, I feel like they've missed a couple of opportunities uh, to, to land somebody. You know, Pac-Man Jones not re-signing him, I get that. But Casey Hayward this past weekend signs with the Chargers three years, $15 million would have been a major, major signing um, to pair opposite Byron Maxwell. They blew that, too. And you have, to, you have to wonder, Paul, the Dolphins head into the remainder of free agency and the NFL draft, and you've got Dallas Thomas and Jamar Taylor starting for you still. Yeah, um, unless they're planning to start Lippitt based on what they saw from him um, towards the end of last season, or maybe – Bobby McCain, but even so, it's interesting to say the least um, that they really seem, to me, the Bushrod move, uh, just to take a step back there, to me tells me that they're not really in the guard market going into the draft. Um, They look at him probably as the starter, and they haven't released any any of the other three. They're not going to carry you know, six guards um, going into the season. So for the most part, unless something absolutely dynamic drops into their lap, your two starters and your two backups are in that list. Right. And the scary thing is, you know, it's one thing if we were talking about um, at the cornerback spot, if if we were just talking about, hey, only two guys really see the field, the reality is at cornerback, your third cornerback is on the field about 65 to 75% of the time. Your fourth cornerback's on there about 30 to 40% of the time. So even if they uh, – if you've got Jamar, uh, Jamar Taylor, Tony Lippett, and Bryce McCain as your two, three, and four guys – Unless they uh, overwhelmingly exceed expectations, you're going to have a, you're going to have a, a, a liability in that secondary. You're probably going to have two. You might have three on there. It, it, it 
does not make a whole lot of sense. But the bigger thing is I feel like the Dolphins have trapped themselves in a corner with that 13th spot where they are dead set on taking a cornerback. And the reason I say that is because the Dolphins in moving from 8 to 13 had to have been targeting something or had to have been saying, listen, we think that we can get down into a spot in 13 where we're still going to get this position that we want. Well, it's not guard. Um, defensive end is too volatile at that spot at cornerback, uh, assuming Jalen Ramsey's off the board, which he will be, you've got, you've got four guys after that. Vernon Hargreaves from Florida, who probably won't be there. Um, Will Jackson from Houston, Mackenzie Alexander from, from Clemson and, uh, damn it. I'm forgetting the other one, but anyway, there are four cornerback, Eli Apple. Thank you. Uh, so you've got, so you've got Hargreaves, Apple, um, uh, Mackenzie Alexander and Will Jackson. Um, I, I could, all are projected somewhere mid to late first round. I, I could see the Dolphins taking a swing at any of those, and I think they have to because you can't go into the season with your second, third, and fourth cornerbacks playing the way that they did last year, and you can't expect that level level of jump either. Um, so at the guard position, you know they did sign Jamon Bushrod. Paul, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, really one year minimum salary, basically a glorified tryout. And Adam Gase does feel confident that he can play that left guard spot. Um, And and maybe he can, and if not be a decent swing tackle, but he was benched last year for seventh round rookie Charles Leno as well. But looking at that guard spot, man, oh man, um, you've got five elite caliber defensive tackles just on the Bills and Jets who beat you last year, stomped you largely because they destroyed you up front. That's where the Dolphins made a decision. I'm not a guy who says, let's go out there and sign every free agent. If you've got money, spend it. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I'm pretty anti-free agency. But inside your own division, you're ignoring the reasons why the Dolphins lost to the Jets and to the Bills last year. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. Um, I'm I'm not as downtrodden on the offensive line as a lot of folks um, because, I, and I know you and I may have talked about this before, but we didn't really see the starting five for Miami play together. I don't think for an entire game all of last season. Uh, you had Albert down at the beginning of the year. As soon as he came back, Juwan James went down. Billy Turner only got insert, inserted into the lineup once, you know, good old Joe left the team after week four. Um, Mike Pouncey was in and out with injuries and finally went down for good. Um, it, it's You look at that line, and, and Jason Fox probably got as much playing time as any starter last season because everybody kept going down. Um, so, I mean, I think if you get them healthy, I think they'll be – I'm not saying that, that Turner or uh, Bushrod or Dallas Thomas or Jameel Douglas are going to the Pro Bowl this year, but they're serviceable um, or can be. And I don't love it. I would love to see an upgrade. I would love to see Jeff Schwartz come in. But – you, you, like you said, they're behind the eight ball. They've got a handful of positions that they have to address, um, even more so than guard. So we'll see. What they you do. know, I, I look at I look at guard. Uh, first of all, I, I hope they do sign Jeff Schwartz, and if and if they can sign one of three players 
out there who were cut by their other teams. Jeff Schwartz, Louis Vasquez, um, and Zane Beatles. Uh, three guys who didn't play all that well last year. Jeff Schwartz played well when healthy, but he can never finish a season. If, if you sign two of those three guys, I could at least say, all right, maybe you can have two professionals line up at that spot this year. In terms of what we have, uh, I, I don't share your 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 enthusiasm on on Jameel Douglas, Billy Turner, or, or Dallas Thomas. These three guys were given ample opportunities last year, did stay healthy, and were just absolutely mauled. And to me, that was a position I look at that ruined the season. Most importantly, Ryan Tannehill is not a guy who is going to make the quickest decisions on the pocket in the pocket, which makes it even more. Uh, problematic that that you didn't address the position in the off season. If you if you had signed, even though they were expensive, you sign Alex Boone, um, you sign Brandon Brooks, you get one of these guys. You can have four potentially very good football players on your offensive line. You don't even have to look at offensive line in the NFL draft. Now I think you got to look at them at least in the first two rounds, maybe two in the first four rounds. I think it's going to be rough to look at them in the first two rounds. Um, what, one thing I do I do want to say is, is it just me or every off season are we talking about Zane Beatles being out there on the market? Um, and well, we did we did uh, two off seasons ago, uh, and you know again, and I, I'm not looking for Zane Beatles specifically. It's man, oh man, like you, you I, I just. <laughs> The, the Dolphins, if if Dallas Thomas and Jameel Douglas and Billy Turner, if they had graded out as even below average last year, I would say, hey, these are young guys. They need some time to grow and develop. These three players were three of the worst-ranked guards at any position on any team uh, uh, last year along the offensive line. That's to to just say – and, I, and you're not saying this, but the Dolphins are evidently saying it. Hey, we're just going to go in and develop these three guys who have shown nothing but terrible football up to this point. Uh, I mean, if Ryan Tannehill's on his back for, you know, 50, 60 times again this year, I say, well, well what'd you expect? Yeah, I, and and I think enthusiasm is a, a strong word um, for, for my feeling on them. I mean, it, it's – I do hope – that given Brandon Albert, Mike Pouncey, and Juwan James back surrounding them, they can play up. They had their moments last year. They both did um, where, where they had games that they actually looked good. Um, not great. Not like, yeah, let's go. Woo, we got these guys. But they looked good. And being sandwiched by that much talent in, in Pouncey, Albert, and James, that may be the answer, but they, they really weren't sandwiched by them. They were sandwiched by Jason Fox and, you know, Jason Fox again and uh, Shelly Smith and thrown out of position and tossed around. And hopefully, if this is their answer, that will solve it this season. Fingers crossed. I, I, they have, they I, I definitely think that's an – I think that's a very optimistic way to look at the at the guard position there. That uh, it, it, again, I I looked at even when Albert Pouncey and James were playing, I thought the guard position was terrible, and I was immediately regretting not showing more emphasis on that guard spot last year. When uh, you know you had you had a few guys hit free agency, Clint Bowling, James Carpenter, um, who who did very well. 
in, in those spots this year. And guard is one of the most easily predictable positions that if you sign a good one in free agency, that he's going to come to this team and do well. And the Dolphins, really not just this year, but over the last three seasons, haven't done all that well. And and the comparison I make as it relates to the NFL draft, which we'll touch on in a bit, is uh, back in 2014, three years ago, we were having the same discussion at right tackle, where in free agency, it was a flooded class. You had just a few guys that we were talking about on here were Breno Giacomini, who signed with the Jets, and Zach Streif, who resigned with the Saints. Um, by doing that, they were able to, uh, if, if, they, if they had signed one of those tackles, they would have been able to go into the draft and get one of the best players available, which at their spot was Brandon Cooks, who is looking like a much better pick than Juwan James. Now Zach Streif and, and Breno Giacomini are still starting today. They're still doing their job, and, and the Dolphins bypass that opportunity. I do like Juwan James as a player. A reach, yes. Has he been great? No. But he still is a decent right tackle. But the point is the Dolphins have created these holes for themselves, either by not re-signing their own free agents or not targeting the most important positions in free agents. They have gaping holes heading into the draft at running back, defensive end, cornerback, and I would argue both guard positions. And and now I think we're getting to the point where, hey, in the first couple of rounds, even if you hit on these guys, you're not going to fill all the holes that you need. So uh, it's going to be rough. But but I, I do like that Mike Tannenbaum did not open the bank like I thought he would. I really thought it was going to be a free-for-all, and he showed a lot more restraint than, than I thought he would. But you, you can't head into the draft with this many holes, especially if not re-signing your own free agents is a big part of that reason. Um, so, Paul, looking at the NFL draft, the Dolphins sit here with the 13th overall pick, move down from 8 to 13. Uh, another move I'm disappointed with, but it is what it is. In, in the NFL draft, moving from 8 to 13. So we're going to play a little game here, and I, I've asked this to many people um, over the last week, ever since we moved down to the 13th pick. Um, you have nine players who, I'm not going to say it's impossible that they're on the board at 13, but it's unlikely that they are. Um, and we'll go down the list right now. Carson Wentz, the quarterback from Cal- from California, or excuse me, Carson Wentz, the quarterback from North Dakota State. Jared Goff, the quarterback from California. Laramie Tunzel, the tackle from Mississippi. Ronnie Stanley, tackle from Notre Dame. Joey Bosa, defensive end from Ohio State. Defensive end, DeForest Buckner from Oregon. Linebacker Miles Jack from UCLA. Cornerback Jalen Ramsey from Florida State. And finally, the most likely to fall to that spot is Vernon Hargreaves, the cornerback. Um, from Florida. So starting right there, Paul, let's take those nine guys off the board. We're sitting here with the 13th pick. Who would your top three options be? Um, I'm going to kind of throw them in no particular order because some of it's important, some of it's liking their play style, but they're all at positions that I think the Dolphins actually have needs. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, the running back, uh, now that C.J. Anderson is not coming to Miami, I think it's pretty apparent, as we talked about earlier, they need a compliment to uh, Jay Jai and Shirley Telling and Damian Williams. Um, Eli Apple, another guy we touched on briefly earlier, I think is a guy that can come in and possibly help 
opposite Byron Maxwell right away. And they definitely need more talent at the corner position. Um, the other guy, which I know is it's either a love it or hate it for a lot of folks, uh, but Reggie Ragland's still on there for me. Um, I know they've got Kiko Alonso, uh, who has shown a propensity to be injury prone. I know they re- just restructured Koamisi, who has shown a propensity to not finish games um, due to it being injury prone. And Jelani Jenkins, who started to show uh, some wear and tear very early in his career. They've got Neville Hewitt behind them and a handful of undrafted, talented young linebackers. But the running game has been gashed over and over again uh, against this defense. And they need somebody to come in and fill. They've got some great pass coverage linebackers if Kiko's healthy and if Jelani's healthy. Um, But they need somebody that can come in and be a David Harris, um, slightly more athletic David Harris in the middle of that defense. And and Reggie Ragland's that guy. For my top three with that same board, uh, you've got two two of my top three guys on there. Now that um, my first one is is Eli Apple, the cornerback from Ohio State. Uh, this this is a player who played at a very high level two years at Ohio State. His final two years came out early. Is actually one of the youngest players in this draft. He won't even be 21 um, at the time. Uh, that week one rolls around. Very young guy, and that's why, to me, it hurts additionally that the Dolphins don't have somebody else in his place at that cornerback spot uh, to really take the pressure off of him. Number two, and I, I, you know, I hate saying this, has to be Ezekiel Elliott for me. I mean, in terms of uh, his talent relative to the need at running back position. Now that you screwed up with Lamar Miller, you didn't get C.J. Anderson, Ezekiel Elliott at 13 uh, has to be that top choice. From what I've heard recently, uh, it doesn't look like Ezekiel Elliott's going to be there for that very reason. The upside, actually, of having Ezekiel Elliott is that you would have three players on your roster – uh, under under 25 years old uh, at your skill positions, you'd have Ezekiel Elliott, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, all 25 and younger, all on rookie contracts. That would at least be enticing, but I hate the idea of taking a running back in the first round if I don't feel he's a generational talent. He's a very good talent. He's well-rounded. He's six foot tall, 225 pounds, blocks well, competitive, check marks just about all the boxes. But is he an Adrian Peterson or a Todd Gurley type talent? I don't quite think so, but still a good player. Uh, my third guy is really an eyebrow raiser, but one of my favorite players in this draft, and that's a defensive end, Kevin Dodd from Clemson. When I look at him and I, I uh, watch in tape of he and Shaq Lawson, Shaq Lawson is a more powerful football player. Uh, as Todd McShay calls him, a junkyard dog. C.K. Parrott is very big on him as well, but uh, to me, I look at him and I think at the end of the day, you're going to get a big, lumbering 4-3 defensive end who's going to get you maybe four or five sacks a year. Kevin Dodd did not have a sack before this year at Clemson until he really tore it apart this past year, especially in the the national championship game. I think he completely looks the part with his, his... burst off the snap, his ability to bend around the edge, and I think he has long-term versatility in terms of scheme, can play 4-3 end, but I also think he can play 3-4 outside linebacker. I don't agree with people who think Shaq Lawson can play 3-4 outside linebacker. So those are our top three. We're going to be talking about a lot of these uh, people coming into the NFL draft uh, as as the weeks remain. Well, we don't have Ian Wharton on tonight. We don't have C.K. Parrott. 
uh, or a lot of people. So given that, uh, we're going to call it a wrap for tonight. We're going to have a, have a shorter show, um, a nice, smooth 35 minutes. Paul, uh, is there anything you'd like to add before signing off? Um, just a couple quick highlights. Looks like a lot of ex-Dolphins are either on the move or in the news today With uh, in terms of signing. We had Mike Wallace going to Baltimore. Uh, Nolan Carroll re-signed with the Eagles again, which I know there have been some rumors about him coming back to, to Miami, which wouldn't have been a good fit, even though I like him. Um, and obviously, though we already talked about Matt Moore. Um, any any other former Dolphins? Oh, Paul Soliai signed with the Carolina Panthers as well. So, big congrats to him. Yeah, big, big day for, for ex-Dolphins. And, you know, good for Paul Soliai. Yeah, two years, $7 million. Would have loved if the Dolphins had cut Earl Mitchell and signed Paul Soliai to get him back here. I think he would have done a lot of things for our run defense. And then at that point, with Reggie Ragland, uh, I don't think I can ever get to a point where I want Ragland at 13 simply because just a principle of mine is if, if I don't think he can play on third down, that I can't take him in the first round. But if you if you had Raglan and Soli on the same defense, you, basically teams aren't going to run on you that year. So uh, I, yeah. I can see the value there. So, Paul, we will be uh, joined by some guests next week to really dig into the NFL draft as we approach. You know, believe it or not, we're, gosh, only about six weeks away. So we're going to really start ramping up that draft talk in the following week. So – in the words of Brian Miller, if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it's on the fin side. Have a great night. <laughs>